Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Happy Victory Monday, everybody. Jay and I are super excited to be back here in the studio to cover a Jaguars win, which hopefully we will be doing a lot of here this season. Uh, But first and foremost, my co-host James Johnson, uh, aka SportsGrind underscore Don over on Twitter, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire. How are you doing today, Jay? We're coming off a win and it, it feels pretty good. Yeah, tired as hell, but uh, this time it's a good tired. You know, this this is a tired that I don't mind feeling. It's one thing where you're tired and, and sluggish and got to deal with uh, a loss and got to deal with, uh, you know, which, I mean, that's kind of our job, you know, explaining what went wrong and uh, so on and so forth. But uh, that's just what comes with the territory. Absolutely happy about the win. Uh, because as you all saw in my prediction, in terms of the staff picks, I didn't pick the Jags to win this one. Albeit, I did say regardless of what happened, you know, it, it's key to not get too high or too low on them at this point in the season because it's so early. Uh, but I mean, I'm I'm really happy to talk about a victory here because we don't get to do that all that often uh, when it comes to podcasting. If only there was one member of the Jaguars wire team that selected the Jaguars to win. Uh, I think it was none other than your boy, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, who I think I forgot to introduce myself at the beginning of this podcast. That's how excited I am to get into this episode. But yeah, I, I mean, I went into that pick just really taking into account a lot of what Arden said last week, where the Colts just do not play well in week one. And then I will be honest, though. That first drive with Philip Rivers, it looked like the Philip Rivers of old. And I was like, oh, crap. Well, that didn't last very long. I was really worried about my pick, but I did get the score wrong. But the selection was the Jaguars. We're going to get into some things here momentarily. You guys, we're going to go over the box score. We're going to do some takeaways. And this year, we're doing something brand new. We're going to hand out a game ball on both offense and defense that Jay and I have discussed. Before you do that, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review along with subscribing. Uh, Somebody recently, I wish I had it pulled up here in front of me, left us a a really great review. Thank you so much. That is one of the best ways you can support the show. Along with Apple Podcasts, we are also on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also, of course, find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Again, my social media on Twitter is at PhilTheFilipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Jay is at sportsgrind underscore Dawn, and you can tweet the podcast at Believe in Jags Pod. Uh, we tweeted out a bunch of really, really cool facts throughout the game and statistics. So make sure you follow us, especially on game days. Yo, Phil, um, on the person that you said gave us the comment, I just looked it up. And I would assume this person's name is Kenneth, even though the username is spelled K-N-N-T-H-P-4. But regardless, uh, he sent us a uh, really, really good comment. We appreciate that as, uh, you know, we approach our journey. We want to hit that before the halfway mark of the season. I guess you want to say we should shoot for the 50 mark, you know, 
So if we want to put a, a expectation up there, but we appreciate it. Uh, who I believe is Kenneth, but again, that's user K N N T H P four. Yeah, man, absolutely. So shouts out to 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 Kenneth if that is who you are, and any everybody else that has left us that review over on Apple Podcasts. It is very much so appreciated. So let's get into it here, Jay. We're going to go over the box score. We'll look at Indianapolis here first, of course. The very highly anticipated debut of one Philip Rivers, who has spent, of course, his entire career in San Diego slash Los Angeles. He won 36 of 46 for 363 yards, one touchdown, and then two interceptions. The running game, it looked like it was going to have things going early, but, you know, and we'll get into this here momentarily, Jay. The defense, as far as the Jaguars, did seem to look at least a little bit improved. Uh, leading the way was Naeem Hines, seven carries for 28 yards. Uh, Marlon Mack, of course, went out early, I believe, ha- maybe halfway through the second quarter. Uh, unfortunate news on him. It looks like he may be done for the year. And rookie Jonathan Taylor, nine carries, 22 yards. Uh, as far as the receiving group goes for the Colts, Paris Campbell, six catches, 71 yards. Jonathan Taylor, six catches, 67 yards. T.Y. Hilton, four for 53. Naeem Hines caught the lone touchdown from Phillip Rivers. He had eight catches, 45 yards. So you see the running backs getting very much so involved in the passing game for the Colts. When you look at the Jaguar side of things, of course, one of the stories of the day was Gardner Minshew. Jake, 19 of 20, 173 yards and three touchdowns. If you do follow me on Twitter, uh, you did see me tweet out that he has now joined Mark Brunel and David Garrard is the only quarterbacks in franchise history to throw for three touchdowns on opening weekend. James Robinson, the undrafted rookie, a whole lot of expectations for him, at least from us over here on Believe in the Jaguar. 16 carries for 62 yards. Really, really impressed me, and I'm sure we'll get that get to that here in just a moment. Keelan Cole, who just loves playing against the Colts, five catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown. LaVisca Chenault, we saw him all over the field. He finished the day with three catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown. And then DJ Chark, three catches, 25 yards, and a touchdown as well. Uh, we'll start on the offensive side. We'll go on the defensive side of things and box score here in just a moment. But, Jay, when I read off those offensive numbers for both teams, what are some standouts that stuck out to you? Yeah, man, Gardner doing his thing. I mean, like, I don't know that we should be surprised because I don't think people remember this, but around this time last year, Gardner was putting together 23 or 24 straight passes against the Kansas City Chiefs as well. So he kind of started the season off like he did last year, except for he was actually the starter heading into the game. And that's encouraging because, you know, as we've said going into the season, you know, the, the season hinges on him. And, you know, the expectation number I put on him in terms of, uh, you know, where he has to be for people not to have these conversations about Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields is a, right about a, a top 12 quarterback. And if you're looking at it from this week, he's gotten a good start off to that. I think I tweeted it. I think he has the third best passer rating in football right now, only under Russell Wilson. And it's one more quarterback. That's oh Jamar uh, uh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens, who uh, you all know that me and Phil are big time fans of as well. So that's good company to be in in the opening week. And, you know, we'll have to see how things continue to go and and heading forward. But uh, certainly off to a good foot on Minshew's part. 
And, uh, you know, if he continues at the rate he's going, we absolutely will not be registering three wins like Vegas projects us to. Uh, so, you know, that's why we've all encouraged people, not just us, but multiple media realms or, or media outlets, encourage people to go to Vegas or go to the sites and smash the over on the uh, the projection they had us on uh, because the Jaguars are already off to a good start on those uh, three wins that we were supposed to get. Uh, but, you know, we got to see how he continues to do heading forward. But I don't think we'll have the number one overall pick at the rate he's going. And I think there's room for improvement as well. Albeit, you know, he completed 19 and 20 passes. But, you know, as we go through the season, him and Jake Rutten are only going to get more acclimated and so on and so forth. And it's a very encouraging sign out of him. Uh, I really like, of course, I cannot uh, have this conversation without talking about my man, James Robinson, who I've been hyping up since May. Uh, he, you know. He was a guy that when you talk about maybe what the difference was uh, and I haven't rewatched the film. I just saw it the initial time. But to me, it looked like he got to the line of scrimmage quicker than Leonard Fournette. And then when he got there, he also, you know, as everybody has said, you know, he, he displayed the vision and the acceleration from the line of scrimmage to the second. Uh, level to the linebackers was amazing like to me he looked faster on the field than he did at Illinois State I don't know if anybody else noticed that and I don't even know if he was just playing off of pure adrenaline and just the fact of being in his first NFL game but he looked faster and his acceleration looked faster than it did at Illinois State he looked like he, he you know he went super saiyan so to speak as the anime people would say but um it, it was an impressive showing with the 62 yards I know he didn't register four yards to carry but you know I, I think as the season goes on you know we'll start to see him get that four yard per carry range or higher or whatever the case may be and people have to understand you know later down the road Divino Zigbo will be back who is on IR that's pretty much his dance partner so, you know, he'll have more help going down the road as well. So uh, that was an impressive showing out of him. And, and in terms of the receivers, you know, I guess I'll just keep it brief. We already know what DJ Chark is capable of. But I, I guess what I will say about the receivers is what we saw out of Gardner was the same formula that basically he beat the Colts with the last time in December last year. And that was distributing the ball to everybody. Uh, nobody specifically, when you look at the stat line, nobody had over 47 yards. And the, the guy that registered 47 yards was Keelan Cole. But like for the most part, the ball was distributed within the receivers. Keelan Cole had a, a, a touchdown reception. Chark had a touchdown reception. LaVisca Chanel had a touchdown selection. And while I'm on LaVisca Chanel, I'll talk about him a little bit as well, who they utilize as, you know, that multi-threat weapon that they said they would basically. So uh, we saw him line up in uh, at, in at running back. We saw him line up at Wildcat quarterback. And I think it was one time I saw him line up on the outside as well. He motioned though, but he lined up on the outside as well as that slot receiver as well. So like, I'm really excited to see what they do with him and what Jay Gruden does in general, because Jay Gruden did call a good plan. You know, he, he had a script for players and so on and so forth, which is something we kind of not used to at this point. Uh, but Jay Gruden, I will say this, like the format and the play, uh, the playbook that he utilized there really should have fans excited headed into the future. Because, again, like this looks a little bit different from, you know, what we had with John DeFilippo and the coordinators before that. 
Yeah, and that's something uh, Gardner even mentioned in his post-game interview, that he was very happy with the game that Jay Gruden called, and it just looked like it all clicked. And yeah, while he didn't throw for a lot of yards in terms of the grand scheme of things, I mean, it was only, what, 173? It was efficient, right? I think that's what the most important part was. Like, even though there was there weren't that, you know, there weren't that a huge amount of really, really big plays, every single play seemed to fit very perfectly into this scheme. And I think that's a huge, huge takeaway, a huge positive takeaway that fans should be looking at in terms of the bigger picture going forward. Whereas in offenses of the past, it just didn't look like things were flowing very smoothly at all. Whereas this just seemed like streamlined from beginning to end. And yeah, maybe there were a couple instances where it stalled a little bit here and there, but the overall piece of work from beginning to end was just, it was, it was easy on the eyes. I mean, we're just not used to seeing that, right? That, so I think that was a huge takeaway. Of course, James Robinson, man, I, Jay, you, <laughs> my daughter was probably really concerned because she was sitting on the couch with me, you know, doing her own thing. But, you know, anytime James Robinson got up, you know, some speed and, and broke off a pretty nice, especially that uh, with that hurdle, uh, I, man, I, I know she was definitely concerned with how excited I was to watch, <laughs> to watch football. And, you know, that's when, of course, the fan side of you comes out and you're just really excited to see that guy perform. LaVisca Chenault, who I have been, you know, just high on his bandwagon ever since we drafted him. And I know there are some people that are a little concerned with his health, but um, hopefully he'll be able to protect himself a little better. Jay, I think this is something that you pointed out when you went on. Uh, I can't remember that. And I do apologize. The name of the Colts show you went on the other day. I think you mentioned that maybe the reason he was hurt a little bit too much in, in college is because he wasn't doing a very good job at protecting himself because he's looking for that contact. I think we're going to hopefully see him protect himself a little better. And I think I, I can't remember who pointed out uh, who pointed it out over on Twitter, but he never even actually got tackled throughout the entire game yesterday. Did you see that tweet where it was the, the one where they stopped? Yeah, it was Demetrius. So he tweeted out. So on that one, the one catch he had, they never even brought him to the ground. The other one, he just shoved off the tackler when he was when he went out of bounds. That one, that's big boy football, man. I'm excited for Lavisca Chenault. I mean, that was uh, exciting to see him get involved early and often, and like you said, moving around all over the place. Came, listen, my guy Colin Johnson didn't get a whole lot of snaps, but he did have a big third down reception, and then he pulled off the epic backflip in the victory formation. So uh, I made a case for Colin Johnson to be offensive player of the game, but I I, I was, uh, I, I couldn't quite make that argument, but even Colin Johnson getting involved, the rookies in general could even make a case for when, for getting a game ball, you know? And so they, they played really, really well. Uh, as far as the defensive side of things on the box score here, uh, Miles Jack did have eight tackles. Of course, CJ Henderson had his first interception. Uh, Dewey Wingard, getting involved on the defensive side of things with his interception. There is that video from him, him in camp, just wrestling the ball away from Tyler Eifert. So this guy's a dog, man. He is out there to prove himself. And I think he's quickly going to become a fan favorite. And he was out there uh, because of an injury. So we got some additional playing time, a uh, DJ Hayden, six tackles as well. Um, Joe Schobert, he may have been, he was getting a little criticism over on Twitter because he was out of position a few times. I think that specifically the, I think it was the fourth down call, uh, the the pass to Doyle where it seemed like he he might have been gotten a little bit confused 
on the coverage. Um, so, but overall, I think Schobert's going to end up being a really, really vital part of this defense. Um, on the defensive side of things for the Colts, though, relatively quiet, right? Um, I know Nico Autry had a couple of sacks, um, but you go into this thing, of course, worried about a guy like DeForest Buckner. He was a little quiet. Darius Leonard, uh, nothing that really popped in terms of just looking at the uh, looking at the um, the box score, but overall, I feel like the offensive line played better than than last year for sure, and hopefully that is indicative of them staying together as a group and not making a whole lot of changes. Uh, but on the defensive side of things, of course, plenty to talk about with the Jags. What did you see here specifically in the box score, and just uh, as well as when you look back at the tape? Yeah, I came out of this. Uh... Again, and I haven't rewatched it, but I watched it the initial time. But I came out of this real concern uh, for what the Jaguars allowed. And I, I know, I guess the best way I would put it was they were somewhat of a bend but don't break offense, making crucial plays where they had to. Uh, but that can only get you so far. But still, nonetheless, look, that was enough to get them to win this time around. And those, you know, those don't break type of plays were, you know, crucial in this game, you know, the Avery Jones uh, stop on, I think it was either Marlon Mack or Hines, one of the two. Uh, but yeah, that was a crucial one in the first quarter uh, because it was like, it felt like the Jaguars were in that mood where they were trying to stop the bleeding, so to speak. And they stopped it at a crucial moment because that was, it looked like it was going to end up leading to points and they stopped the drive that was deep in their own territory. So that was good. Then you had the C.J. Henderson pick, which led to seven points on the Jags' behalf on offense. You had other plays where C.J. Henderson, uh, the last play of the game for the Colts as well, where C.J. Henderson, it looked like he may have got a piece of the ball in terms of counting it as a pass breakup, but maybe not. But he was there in coverage, and he prevented T.Y. Hilton from bringing that down and making that conversion, making it a um, you know conversion on downs on the Jags' part. So, that was uh, pretty good on his part. And then it was times where he came up and made tackles too, man. Uh, and crucial tackles that that, that could have led to deep yardage or, or, you know, like conversions or whatever the case may be. I was very impressed. And I mean, look, he looked like a top 10 pick and you can't take that away from him. And, you know, of course, there was times where they, you know, they threw at him. But that's what Phillip Rivers is going to do is throw at a rookie. You see a rookie over there, you try him a few times, especially with T.Y. Hilton, who has been in this offense for three years, you know, you just take advantage of that matchup at times and he's going to win some on a rookie. And, you know, the rookie was fighting back and he won some on T Y Hilton as well. But I think the, the key takeaway for this game in terms of the offense in totality or the defense in totality is I'm going to leave this week worried about the Tennessee Titans. Now, granted, we got to see the Titans play today on Monday night football, but I'm a little concerned about heading into that game against Tennessee because, as we all know, uh, Derrick Henry runs all over us. And for us to put up or allow 400, over 400 yards is uh, very concerning. Then again, though, you know, is is Ryan Tannehill capable of doing that? At times he's shown it, at times he hasn't. So you, you don't know. Uh, but that being said, I'm more so concerned with the, the run defense Uh because had Marlon Mack, I think, in my opinion, not exited the game and, you know, prayers to him because, uh, it, like Phil said, he's going to be out for the season. So, you know, we hope him and wish him a speedy recovery. But I believe had Marlon Mack not exited that game, uh, it would have been more back and forth, especially in the, the third and the fourth quarter 
on the the Colts part. And they probably could have stuck in there a little bit more, because if you look at the stat lines in terms of uh, the, the rushing, while they didn't rush for over 90 yards in totality against the Jags, both. I think it was Mack and Hines. Yep. Mack and Hines averaged four yards to carry on them and Hines had a touchdown. Uh, simply put, that means the Jaguars were giving up yardage in huge chunks uh, when the Colts were running the ball. So that being said, you can expect that out of the Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry, uh, it's going to be a matter of how much they can clamp down on the run. And uh, if they can do that, they stand a chance against a team that what was in the AFC championship just last year. Right. And, and just as you mentioned, you know, we'll get a good look at the Titans here tonight. And we will have a special episode uh, with the host of the Believe in the Titans podcast a little bit later this week as well. So make sure you guys keep a lookout for that. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, overall how fans should be feeling is they should feel good that they they definitely got a victory and a hard-earned victory for sure. But there are still a few cracks in the armor uh, that definitely need to be improved upon and worked on. Um, you know, we're going to uh, see a lot from... Uh, from CJ Henderson, we're going to really get a sense of how good of a player he is later on in the year. And we talked about this last week, Jay, when we were going over the schedule predi- or the record predictions for the team starting in week eight, man, he is going to have a lot of opportunities to be tested and to be challenged. It starts in week eight when, of course, um, and hoping and, and praying that health is not an issue for any of these teams. Um, but for the Chargers, you got Keenan Allen. For Green Bay, you have Devontae Adams. For Pittsburgh, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, along with the the other receivers that they have. Cleveland, you got Jarvis Landry and OBJ. Minnesota, you have Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Baltimore, Marquise Hollywood-Brown. And then Chicago with, of course, Allen Robinson. So he's going to have an opportunity to go up against some real studs on the wide receiver side. And honestly... What better way to grit your teeth than to just get out there and face some of the absolute best? And he's going to have the opportunity to do that. Like you said, Jay, very early on, looks like a top 10 pick. Um, I, I'm not sure. And some of you guys can tell us this over maybe on social media. Not sure if Jeffrey Okuda played yesterday. Um, I, I know he was listed as questionable. So, of course, that's who he's going to be compared against early on. CJ Henderson looks good. We're going to get into some of the some more of the specifics here in terms of his day in just a moment. Uh, but before we move on to those game balls here, Jay, are there any other takeaways you want to discuss before we move on to that and then wrap up this Victory Monday episode? Um, off the top of my head, no, because again, like I, I want to go back and look at the film for myself, and I might make tweets based off of that. Uh, but yeah, off the top of my head, I think I pretty much got everything off my chest. Um. I think, oh, yeah, one thing we might have missed was, uh, I mean, you kind of discussed this beforehand, was Frank Wright giving uh, Todd Wash some kudos there in terms of disguising his coverage one time. And uh, Philip Rivers actually talked on it, too, as well, where, uh, you know, they thought that basically he was on uh, one defender and he peeled off. And I'm talking about C.J. Henderson, peeled off and picked off the ball. And again, man, just a crucial moment there. I uh, don't know if, you know, everybody is quite willing to, you know, uh, give Todd Wash uh, a lot of praise right now about, you know, the game in totality. But that being said, uh, you know, it, it, at least, you know, we, we we saw some flashes out of the defense. And you could say, like, at times they, they look like they could be a serviceable unit. But, um you know, time will tell. 
Yeah, a couple of things. I, I even though uh, we're trying to focus on as many of the positives as possible, I don't like the Dewan uh, Smoot getting that rough in the passer call. I think you need to be smarter in that situation. But on the other side of things, I do also want to give kudos, and this is something Jay, you and I have talked about off the air uh, to Miles Jack on the uh, unnes- or on the uh, the taunting penalty that the Colts received. I, I I don't know, man. I just feel like Miles Jack last year, who who showed that he could be a little hot headed especially in that Chiefs game. I feel like maybe he gets up in the face of that, uh, of, uh, of, I can't remember the receiver. I think it was Robinson uh, on the Colts that he got, that was getting in his face. I, I think maybe last year, Miles Jack uh, gets up in his face a little bit. But you know what? Kudos to him for, for keeping calm there uh, because I think the Miles Jack old might have something a little bit more to say. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, it was Paris Campbell uh, from... Campbell, uh, uh, yeah, not yeah. Robinson. Yeah, Paris Campbell. From, uh, yeah, Ohio State. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. You know, and I don't know if it was just, a, you know, like how you can be influenced by the people around you type of deal. Uh, if that happens in 2019 where, you know, you got this, this squad with Jalen and, you know, a bunch of I don't not I don't even necessarily want to say bad players, but a lot of feisty players. You might be encouraged and egged on to throw a punch or two in there or something like that. Or that doesn't go as good as it did. But, yeah, as soon as I saw that. I was like, yeah, that just shows maturity because, again, going back to what I was saying with Gardner Minshew and how he started off in the Kansas City game, uh, putting together over 20 consecutive balls together. If you go back to that same game and look at one of the things that we hated about that game, it was how Miles Jack handled himself uh, when he was ejected. And here we are in the first game of the year is uh, once again, almost a year, uh, exactly a year later. And he shows the maturity and, you know, he he actually it's Campbell to get the flag instead of us, which, you know, that was huge and that helped as well. So, man, huge growth on Miles Jack. And I, I absolutely loved how he looked at the weak side linebacker position, man. He was he was flying around to the ball, wrapping up the ball carrier, you know. He, you know, from that position, you can tell right now, uh, at least that he'll probably lead the team in tackles, you know, because he's able to play so freely and so on and so forth. So I can't wait to see what the weak side linebacker position holds for him in 2020. Yeah, and I tweeted that out as well. It got a little bit of traffic as far as Miles Jack. It definitely looked like the Miles Jack of old. Very excited to see what he can do the rest of the season. Very last thing before we give out these game balls, Jay, I do want to shout out our guy, Josh Lambeau. Uh, if you guys saw me tweet out, Josh Lambeau has now made 40, I'm sorry, has now made 72 of 76 field goal attempts with the Jags since he joined the team in October of 2017. Overall, his 94.7% field goal percentage is the highest in franchise history and the highest by any player in the NFL since 2017. He has also not missed an attempt at home since signing with the Jags in 2017. He has now made he also now has made all 43 field goal attempts at home since signing with the team, including 38 tries at TIAA Bank Field. He's the only kicker in the NFL since 2017 to connect on 100% of their kicks in home games. Josh Lambeau continues to be automatic and uh, teams like the Chargers continue to kick themselves. uh, No pun intended there. But, Jay, let's move in to the game balls offensively. I think you guys know where we're going to go, right? Gardner Minshew with the absolute gem of a game, 19 of 20 once again. I shared this over on, on the podcast Twitter page earlier in the day. Jaguars quarterback Gardner Minshew is the first player to ever throw at least three touchdown passes and complete at least 95% of his passes on kickoff weekend. In his last two games against the Colts, Minshew has completed 
46 of 59 passes for 468 yards, six touchdowns, and one interception. That's coming from one Adam Schefter over on Twitter. Uh, Jay, again, you know, we've already talked about it here a little bit, but Gardner Minshew, you know, we, I, I can honestly say, I hope that he is the future of this team. I hope he is the guy. I'm definitely rooting for him. And as you have mentioned before, he's got to be a top 12 quarterback. And he certainly played like one yesterday. So first game ball on the offensive side of the 2020 season goes to one Gardner Minshew. He absolutely deserved it. Yeah, man. I mean, there's no denying it. And, you know, me and while me and Phil have had our skepticism in the past, at the same time, we would prefer not to have to <laughs> draft the quarterback first or second overall. Like if Gardner Minshew can prevent us from doing that. And I think like the best part about it, if, if he can do this from the perspective of a six round pick, you know, that would be awesome to see us land the next a lowly drafted quarterback in football because, you know, the one that we always go to is Tom Brady. So, yeah, you can't help but root for the man. And, I mean, when you see the dedication and everything that he puts into the game, it, it certainly appears they had he has all of the intangibles and all of that kind of stuff to uh, make it happen, man. It's just a matter of uh, basically, you know, just showing up this season and, again, if he can if he can be roughly a top 12 quarterback, man, we don't have anything to worry about behind center. Yeah, man, of course. And he's just a guy that continues to infatuate the fan base. And with good reason, because I've said this in the past and I'm going to keep repeating it. He's just a guy that seems to, you know, live and breathe Duval, right? His his whole demeanor really is so in tune with the fan base in general and you love it, man. He's a guy that seems dedicated to his craft and just loves this city and loves being here because he's fully aware of the opportunity that's been presented to him, Where is which is just a stark contrast of what we got with Blake Bortles. And, um, you know, I, I hate to bring that name up, but that's who we have to compare him up against because that was our most recent, you know, he was our most recent quarterback. You know, I'm not even going to include Nick Foles because it didn't even really last that long. But, you know, when you compare it to, Blake, who came in as the top five pick and, you know, who was supposed to be the guy to a guy that was, like you said, drafted in the sixth round. And, you know, what isn't supposed to be here for all intents and purposes, this is not the spot he's supposed to be holding a clipboard right now. That is pretty much what the expectations were of this guy. And here he is having a historic day in the NFL. So really, really great to see him continue to have success. And I would I think, Jay, I can speak for both of us where I would say, I would love for him nothing more for them for him to prove us wrong that we should, you know, go ahead and, and, and draft maybe a, a big time quarterback in next year's draft or bring somebody else in. So really, really great to see Minshew continuing to have success. Uh, let's move to the defensive side of things, though, for the game ball for the defense. And again, we got to go to CJ Henderson. You, you talked about some of the things that he did really, really well. His PFF grade, 84.2, four incompletions. He had one interception, three pass breakups, and a 28.3 passer rating against just an absolutely great debut for the rookie. And just like you mentioned, Jay, he showed off that tackling ability, which really impressed me. I did not see that, and I think that's one of the things that Daniel Jeremiah pointed out in that conference call we got to get in before the draft where he said he needed to work on that. It looks like maybe that is starting to pay off, and you know you hope that he can continue it. But yeah, second second game ball. Uh, first one on the defensive side here for 2020 goes to the rookie CJ Henderson. Yeah, man, it's just the um, and this is something we spoke on with Blythe and some we spoke on with Daniel Jeremiah, just a testament 
Uh, right now, like I said, for this day and this game for week one, it's just a testament of, you know, Dave Caldwell's scouting ability. Aside from, like we said, the, the most crucial mistake, obviously, was Blake Bortles and holding on to him too long. But at the same time, you look at this guy's resume and there are signs that he can actually scout. And, you know, while me and you or well, I'll speak for me, while I thought C.J. Henderson was more of a top 13 guy, uh, he's proven to be at least for that game, a top 10 guy. And I'm I'm really interested to see where his career goes. He's an exciting player on the field, man. And, and it was impressive to see him have success against Phillip Rivers, who traditionally just eats us alive, whether we're home or especially, especially on the West Coast. Uh, but, you know, he was out there with a veteran, a savvy veteran in T.Y. Hilton. I don't know if anybody noticed that was a Miami versus Miami battle in terms of where they're from. But he was out there handling his own against T.Y. Hilton and company. It was other receivers he was on. And, uh, yeah, certainly uh, I, I think I speak for everybody when I say I, I think the future could be exciting for him if he continues to play as he did Sunday. 100%. And, you know, just again, as I already mentioned, he's going to have the opportunity to prove himself against some real top-notch competition. And you just hope that they can continue to roll this momentum over into their Week 2 matchup with the Tennessee Titans. As we mentioned, we're going to have some crossover content here a little bit later in this week with Believe in the Titans. So we're really excited to link up with those guys. Jay, we're going to wrap it up. We just wanted this to be a short a little episode about uh, about Victory Monday and yesterday's games. Is there anything else you wanted to let the audience know before we get out of here? Nah, I mean, in terms of, I guess I'll just kind of say it way into the content that we're going to put up today and tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, with it being Victory Monday, we'll continue to look into the game. Doug Marone just had a presser. Uh, we'll get some quotes from that as well. Uh, we maybe should have put them in here, but we'll get some quotes for that going on Jazz Wire. I'll probably look into the snap count before the end of the day in terms of who got snaps, where and what percentage. Um, and I'll also look into some PFF grades if I can get a hold of those as well. And that will do it for Victory Monday content on uh, the Jaguars wire. So aside from that, uh, I think that's all I had, man. It was something else spinning around in my head, but I, I actually forgot. So, yeah, I'm going to leave on that note. Yeah, actually, it just hit me uh, what it was I wanted to speak on, and that is the Jaguars are activating Sidney Jones onto uh, or off of their practice squad. In terms of, let's see, who they are parting ways with or cutting or whatever the case may be to make room for him. Gerard Wilson, oh, wow, that's a shocker, has been placed on injured reserve. Uh, but again, with the new rules in today's day and age, uh, or, or at least for COVID or, or at least for 2020 with the COVID, uh, the COVID adjusted CBA. That means Gerard Wilson will be on IR for three weeks and they can get him back as opposed to how it's been in years past where you have to wait like six or eight weeks before you can get somebody off IR. So uh, he might not be on there that long, uh, but still, nonetheless, that's a, a safety, a starting safety that we're losing there. Uh, so we'll have to see uh, what the Jaguars do in the backfield. In terms of uh, who they added, they signed rookie Josh Nurse and uh, running back Craig Reynolds to the practice squad, release Amari Henderson, cornerback from the practice squad. So, yeah, that's where they're at in terms of today's latest transaction. I think maybe, Jay, you probably wanted to mention that my fantasy team in our league is absolutely killing it right now. That's probably uh, what you forgot to mention. Don't worry. I'll let everybody know. 
uh, right now. My uh, my team's. I am pretty upset. You know what? I didn't even put in a claim for James Robinson because I knew that you had already done it. And when I went to go check just to see who picked him up, and of course it was you. So I I didn't even attempt to go get him before anybody else. Uh, but yeah, guys, I, again, we just wanted to get this episode out to discuss yesterday's win. Enjoy it for now. And then we move on to the Tennessee Titans. As I mentioned before, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in for that Titans crossover episode later on this week. Of course, you can find us on Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Sports grind underscore Don uh, for Jay. And you can tweet the podcast at Believe in Jags Pod. Thank you guys so much. Stay safe, stay healthy. This has been Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We believe to you. We'll see you next time, you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.